gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to my two cents podcast episode 38, which is titled, where do we go from here? Um, I'm your host G2. And before I get into the topics for this week, let me list off the national food days for this upcoming week. Today, September 5th is cheese pizza day. Tomorrow, September 6th, coffee ice cream day, which lands on labor day. September 7th, beer lovers day. September 8th, date nut bread day. September 9th, I Love Food Day. September 10th, Hot Dog Day. And September the 11th, Hot Cross Bun Day. Now, before I get into my topics, I just want to ask you guys, how has your uh, week been? I can tell you my week has been, uh, it's been fine. Uh, getting adjusted back and getting adjusted going back into college or going back into school and face uh, person to person with wearing your mask. It's, it's not difficult. The only thing that's difficult about it is whenever I have to go to gym and then I have to like work out and do everything else. And then breathing in your mask is real hard on uh, that part. I mean, I believe that the gym I didn't know. Let me let me preference this. I am a firm believer of wearing your mask inside and outside wherever you got to go whenever you leave your house. I am a firm believer of this. However. I didn't know how hard it is for somebody to breathe in the mask until you had to like exercise and do like a workout, like walking. That ain't too hard. You breathe. You are breathing in in your mask and you're breathing in and out. That's fine and dandy. But whenever you're like weightlifting and then you're uh, running on the treadmill and all these type of things, that is a big stretch from doing a regular activity as like walking and like uh, picking up a package or something like that that's the easy thing you wear your mask because you're going to get done with that and you'd be done but when you're working out and you're lifting weights and you have to do reps and then you have to or if you're running on the elliptical or you're doing a treadmill it is real difficult trying to catch your breath especially for a person like myself where my lungs are the greatest not because i'm a smoker or anything because i don't do drugs i never have uh i'm straight edge I don't do drugs. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do any of those type of things. That's that's what I am. Um, I just have bad lungs because uh, my throat hasn't been the greatest towards me in my life. But uh, I've been able to make it work. I have my tonsils removed. And uh, yeah, just main point, my lungs haven't been the greatest. So whenever I have to do workout, I take the a mask off my nose area and I have to still cover my still cover my mouth but my nose just be exposed out I I I can't I can't have the mask over my nose I can't when I'm working out I can't do it I won't do it because I'm not dropping dead on the floor for this mask that ain't happening so here's my caveat to wearing a mask wear a mask everywhere inside and out when y'all when you're on the outside of your home but when you're in the gym, you should have to have the mask over your mouth and just have your nose carrying out. And if you need to actually have the mask off your face, 
Fine, gather your breath and gather gather that oxygen that your body needs, and then put the mask on when you're about to leave out of the gym so you can go about the rest of your day. That's how I feel about that, and that's how I feel about uh wearing a mask in the gym. I just want to get that off my chest because that was something that really, really like pinged in my head this week when I was at the gym. It just really just like dawned on me. But anyway, uh, the rest of my week has been fine. I'm learning German. I'm going to try to come in here uh, next week and try to at least and announce my introduce myself in German and uh, give you how old I am in German. I'm going to try to basically tell you how much German I've learned so far throughout my time in uh, my introduction to German class. So uh, that's something for you guys to look forward to uh, next week. And uh, please, please, please be understanding that I am still learning German. So if I happen to butcher it or it sounds horrible, remember, I am not birth to neuro to like my native language. My first language is not German. It is English. As you can tell, I speak really well English. Well, that was poor grammar, but you get what I'm getting at here. My English is top notch. My German, not so much. I can speak uh, subpar French. So my, my uh, language skills are being broadened and I am venturing out into different languages as of right now. So but other than that, uh, my week has been fine. I hope you guys have had a great week so far. But without further ado, let's jump into the topics for the week. First topic I want to get to is the United States leaving out of Afghanistan after being there for almost 20 years. It would have been 20 years in October, but we left out of here uh, Tuesday, August 31st. And they had a press conference at the Pentagon Wednesday with the Secretary of Defense. And this is coming from CNBC.com as it reads. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said Wednesday it was not yet clear what type of relationship, if any, the Pentagon will have with the Taliban in Afghanistan after Western forces spent 20 years fighting the Islamic militant group. It's hard to predict where this will go in the future with respect to the Taliban, Austin told the reporters at the Pentagon when asked about the next steps following Monday's complete U.S. military departure from the country. We don't know what the future of the Taliban is, explained Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, U.S. Army General Mark Milley. I can tell you from personal experience that this is a ruthless group from the past, and whether or not they change remains to be seen. Milley said, adding that he and Austin both fought against the group during their military careers. And as far as our dealing with them at the Air Force or in the past year or so in war, you do what you must do in order to reduce risk to mission and force, not what you necessarily want to do, Millie explained when asked about U.S. and Taliban coordination in the final days of an immense humanitarian evacuation mission. The U.S. coordinated with the Taliban during the war's final days to ensure safe passage for U.S. citizens and Afghan nationalists to Hamad Karazi International Airport in Kabul for evacuation. However, there were reports that the Islamic militants blocked some Afghans from reaching the airport, contrary to their public statements. When asked at the State Department if the U.S. would recognize the Taliban as a legitimate government, the Undersecretary for Political Affairs, Victoria Nolan, said it was premature to say, our relationship with the Taliban will be guided by what they do 
not by what they say. Nolan said, now that said, there are some urgent questions like the humanitarian condition of the people of people of Afghanistan. So we are looking at those kinds of things she added, but we have made no decisions about any of the rest of it. And we certainly won't unless and until we see the kind of behavior expected, basically meaning they want to see how well the Taliban do in Afghanistan. They want to see if the Taliban is going to treat their uh, people with kindness and compassion, treat them with American civilization uh, type rules. America is funny because we went over there 20 years ago because they attacked and killed multiple like a big group of people on 9-11. And they killed mad people. They took down the Twin Towers. We went to Afghanistan, did what we had to do, killed Osama bin Laden, yada, yada, yada. Stayed there for over, for almost 20 years. Now we leave, and the Taliban is taking over, and they are the government. And we don't know if we're going to play nice with them or not. We have to see how they treat their people over there. Dog, let me make this perfectly clear to you. You guys left, and this is not me trying to bash America or anything of this nature. I'm just stating the facts here. You left their country, literally. You left their country after being there for 20 years, after literally being there 10 years more than what you should have been after you killed Osama bin Laden. And now you're seeing, now you're wondering if the people are going to be treated well under the Taliban regime. How's that going to work out? Let's be honest here. The Afghan people have been treated, well, at least to my knowledge, because as we've seen on television and you have a lot of footage to back this up, you saw a lot of Afghan people trying to get on these aircrafts and try to go to America and try to escape uh, Afghanistan under the Taliban regime. You have seen this. There is video documentation of this. This ain't just me plucking this out of my head. No, you can literally look this up. And you've seen it. And now America, at least the higher ups, are saying, well, we don't know if we're going to uh, play nice with them. We have to see what they do, not what they say. We have to see how they actually handle their people over there. What if they handle their people wrong? Then what? Literally, what are you going to do then? What uh, What is America going to do? What, we're going to run back in there? Let's be honest, dog. We should have never left. We were already there. Once we killed Osama bin Laden, that's when we should have left. But we didn't. We stayed there for another 10 more years. We gave the Afghan people that pillow, that blanket, that safety blanket under our rule and under our thumbs. They were at least in the idea safe to know what's going to happen. Now, under the Taliban regime, they have no idea what's going to happen because a whole lot has transpired since America has went over there and start taking out who they needed to take out when they wanted to take them out. Let's be honest. So now we're questioning, okay, what are the Taliban going to do over there? Are they going to treat their people well? Are they going to treat them harshly? What type of rule? Because America's definitely going to be looking at them because I'll say it here. And I'll, as I said last week, we, this week that we're in right now is going to be the 20th year of 9-11 attack on American soil. So now America's death is death definitely. I'm sorry, it's taking me a hard time to say definitely. America's definitely going to be looking at Afghanistan just to see what the Taliban is going to be doing. 
because we are on our 20th year of remembering 9-11. That's happening. This Saturday will be the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So with that being said, we have to look at, are they going to try to attack us back? Or are they going to try to do something? What type of situation are they going to say to their people over there? Because I don't care what you say. That's going to be, that's going to be some headline news. America's going to be looking, well, not America, but the top officials are definitely going to be looking at Afghanistan to see what type of news, what type of propaganda is going to be spewed over there to see how they twist or turn the, the effects of 9-11. That's definitely happened. But again, I want to say this before I get off this topic here. People in the bigger cities, as in New York City, uh, Hollywood, Los Angeles, Texas, even in Florida, these are the four big like states in America. I want you guys to be on high alert on 9-11 because, yet again, this is a day of remembrance for the Twin Towers and people dying. Understandable. But you need to be on your toes because we just left Afghanistan after being there for almost 20 years because they attacked on 9-11. So think about it. If they happen to attack this time on 9-11 because we're no longer there to keep our foots on their necks. And, hey, that's just what we were doing. We were keeping our foots on their necks just to tell them, hey, yo, don't you dare try to move because we are here and we'll take you out if we got to do it. I want you guys just to be aware that I have a strong feeling that we need to be on the alert just in case something happens on this uh, 9-11 here, since America did uh, leave out of Afghanistan. That's just my personal opinions. That's just my two cents on the whole thing. But before I get off this topic, yes, be on the lookout. People that are in the earshot of my voice, call up your people, because I know people have people in North, and not in the North, but in New York, in California area, in the Texas area, and even in the Florida area. Just have them be on the alert, because I just have a really strong feeling that we need to be on the alert this 9-11. That's just me. And before I get off this topic, I believe America definitely, well, the higher-ups in this uh, American government should uh, always keep their eyes on Afghanistan. Because Afghanistan has always been that uh, place that we had our... uh, thumb on their uh, necks or foot on their necks to make sure they wouldn't do nothing after 9-11. And since we're, we're a, since we now um, left that place, we don't know what they're going to do. So I believe that we should always keep our eyes on them because Russia's over there just chilling. They're not doing nothing. I don't think Russia's going to try to make a deal with them over there to try to go after America. Because at one point, remember, America was quote-unquote in a uh, battle stare down with Russia, but you don't hear about that no more. So again, do I think the Taliban is going to be uh, polite to their citizens? I don't know. I don't know. We will have to see in these uh, upcoming months and even years just to see what they're going to do to their people. But until then, uh, we would just have to be on the waiting game just to find out and see. And I believe that American, the top officials of America will uh, be watching them like hound dogs. Now to the next topic I want to talk about. I want to talk about the uh, Texas abortion law. Now, I did not know anything about this until 
uh, Twitter hit me up or Yahoo hit me up. I'm more or less Twitter because that's where I get a lot of my news from. Um, there's a law in Texas that uh, prohibits abortion before women even know they're pregnant. I didn't know about any of this until yet again Twitter and my women and gender studies class that I'm in in college and they talked about it. And as the women were talking about it, I just stood there as a guy that didn't know anything about this until I had to look it up and hear what they were saying. And um, I want to read you guys something from New York Times. And they talk about, they answer some of the questions about the Texas abortion laws. And one of the questions that were asked was, is the law a complete ban on abortions? And they reply with, the law bars abortions once cardiac activity can be detected in the embryo. This typically occurs around the sixth week of pregnancy. This is very early in the pregnancy, and many women do not know they are pregnant at that point. By the time a pregnant woman misses her period, she is four weeks pregnant, as doctors usually define it. Under Texas law, then a woman would have about two weeks to recognize her condition, confirm the pregnancy with a test, make a decision about how to manage the pregnancy, and obtain an abortion. Many women may not track their periods carefully, may have irregular cycles, or may not know the exact date of the start of their last period, experts noted. Uh, the cardiac activity detected on ultrasounds is not a true heartbeat. Uh, one doctor added, it results from electric electrical activity, but the valves of the heart have not yet formed, and the sound does not indicate the pregnancy is viable, the doctor said. Forcing them to find out about a pregnancy and make a decision about how to manage it in a short period of time is unethical to ethical care. Now, I, again, have no idea what it is like to uh, have a child or carry a child. Because, yet again, I'm a dude. I have no idea. We just do our business with the woman and they carry the baby or they uh, do what they have to do with the baby. It's their body, their decision, their choice. Amen. That's all on you. Um, another question that was asked was, does the law make exceptions for pregnancies resulting from rape or incest or to protect the life of the mother? And they replied with, the law does not make exceptions for rape or incest. It does permit abortions for health reasons, but the exceptions are narrowly drawn, allowing a termination only if the pregnancy could endanger the mother's life or lead to sustainable and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function, Ms. Nash noted. These are very narrow exceptions, she said, and the language does not cover every instance in which a woman's health might be at risk. Nevertheless, she added, health providers will be very conservative about interpreting the law because they don't want to cross a line. Now, you might say to yourself, how does a law like this even get passed without like, the Supreme Court even like ruling against this type of thing? Well, the Supreme Court was divided um, this Wednesday, the kind of refused to block the abortion uh, statute. It was a five to four. And you could tell that all the five that were against like blocking this were all like conservatives, which means they were Republicans. So, I mean, hey, there is a stance on Republicans being like the uptight type of people while the Democrats are the loose, uh, hippy dippy uh, liberals or whatever the case may be. Listen here. Why is it public policy? Why is this a even government situation? If a woman wants to get a, an abortion, let her get one. This should not even be 
part of anybody's uh business. It shouldn't. As a man, it's none of my business if a woman wants to get an abortion. It's none of my business. Um, we as men shouldn't even be putting ourselves in this problem. Let's be honest. This has nothing to do with us. If a woman wants to get an abortion, let her get one. I want to play a clip from Dave Chappelle's uh comedy special that he has on Netflix called Sticks and Stones, where he talks about the abortion, uh, well, his thoughts on the abortion. I just want to play this quick little video clip for you, then I'll give you my uh exact idea of it after this. But without further ado, here's the great Dave Chappelle. I'm not for abortion. Oh, shut up, nigga. I'm not for it, but I'm not against it either. It all depends on who I get pregnant. I don't care, I'll tell you right now, I don't care what your religious beliefs are or anything. If you have a dick, you need to shut the fuck up on this one. Seriously. This is theirs. The right to choose is their unequivocal right. Not only do I believe they have the right to choose, I believe that they shouldn't have to consult anybody except for a physician about how they exercise that right. Gentlemen, that is fair. And ladies, to be fair to us, I also believe if you decide to have the baby, a man should not have to pay. That's fair. If you can kill this motherfucker, I can at least abandon him. Again, that is the great Dave Chappelle from his Netflix special, Sticks and Stones, that's on Netflix. Now, I agree with Dave Chappelle wholeheartedly about everything what he said right there. If you have a penis and uh, testicles, this is not our problem. This is a problem for a woman that has a vagina and that can easily give birth to a child. Now, it's all their fight. This is not our fight at all. We should have no uh, stance in this at all. The only time when we do have a stance is if you want her to terminate the pregnancy, but she doesn't and she wants to keep the baby. Well, then that's whenever you and her should have that discussion of, okay, do you want to be in the child's life? And if you don't, do you pay some type of child support? That's whenever that kind of situation should be talked about between you two. And you guys should be able to find that out between yourselves. Um, But yeah, this is not our uh, fight at all, guys. Men that are listening to me right now, I want you just to support women point blank in this fight. Just support them. If she wants to get an abortion, support them because this is their right to do it. This is their uh, human rights. This is just their right, period. And also, by the way, I want to know women's uh, response to this whole abortion uh, ban. Do they support it? Do they not support it? I mean, you have one woman on the Supreme Court uh, agreeing with keeping that banned that they wouldn't touch the ban in Texas. They're not going to try to do nothing against it. So morally, does she support it? Or is there something else behind the scenes? See, I want to have a conversation with women of every like background, of every political background, every uh, religion. I want to just have that discussion and just see where they fall on this whole abortion stance. Do you believe in getting it? Do you don't believe in getting it? Do you think there should be a ban on abortions? Do you think that everybody should have their own uh, right to whether getting it or not? Because right now we are in the most uh 
individualistic time, I believe, throughout all of human uh, existence. At times, we would usually be in a gang, as in the gang mob mentality of we all believe this is wrong and uh, we all, as a human society, agreed with it. But now, with the internet and so many tools at your fingertips, we all might not agree on everything as we as our ancestors did in the past. Um, just even right here, the abortion deal, people agree with it, certain people don't. Uh, Black Lives Matter movement, certain people agree with it, certain people don't. If you, uh, even with still people uh, having problems with the LGBTQ community, you either agree with some of the stances or you don't, or you might be directly in the middle. Do you agree with the Republican stances? Do you agree with Democratic stances? Do you agree with who our president is? Do you disagree with, I mean, we are in the most, I want people just to really stop and really just think about it. We are literally in the most diverse individual uh, time throughout all human existence. And people might say, Gerald, we're not in the most individualistic because there are more groups than anything. Think about that. You just said there are more groups. You might be right. We might not be in the uh, most individualistic. In my eyes, we are because there weren't as many uh, history books or even books written about, okay, we have this society, we have that society, we have this society and that society. That ain't the case. Now there are society and groups and cultures and everything just popping out the woodworks that we all didn't know about. And now everybody are literally in their own little subgroups and big groups and macro and micro and all these type of things and now we have so many groups that if you even offend one group you're going to have that group coming on you and lashing out on you on social media and everything else just imagine that you didn't hear about that like in the 80s and 70s and 60s you didn't hear about that but whenever technology came in it gave people the comfortability to link up with each other and see and connect with people that actually bonded over or have the same ideology that that person or this set of people have and they all bonded together so yes we are in the most individualistic but most groups than ever in history so with this standard right now i want to know what do women think I want to know women of every ethnicity, every religion, every race. What are their thoughts? Do they agree with it? Do they not disagree with it? I'm hoping to at least get some answers to this. I'm going to be researching it and seeing what women are saying on Twitter and Yahoo and everything else. I'm just going to be looking this up for the next couple weeks. Hopefully, I'll get some answers and be able to relay it back to you guys. Because this one it really intrigues me, especially with the idea that you can't get like the abortion until like like the earliest that they'll no you can't get it until well you can get an abortion until like six weeks that's what i'm trying to get it right here so and you just heard me read it off that most doctors say that women don't know they're pregnant until like the fourth week and so now they got to make this quick and like rash decision do you want to get an abortion or do they don't want to get an abortion by before the six weeks so basically they got a week and like a couple of days before they even can say, yo, I want this abortion or da 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 That is just insane to me. 
But again, if you have a penis and testicles, this is not our fight. This is a fight for a person with with a vagina and can produce a child out of their own womb. So again, that is exactly who this fight is for. I'm not trying to be a dickhead to men, but hey, if you take that as being a dickhead, you might be the dickhead in this by saying, I don't want, shut up. This ain't our fight, dog. Just take that for what it is. And also, another ridiculous thing about this whole abortion-like situation is that if I happen to help a woman get an abortion in Texas, I can be sued. And if I they find out that I did it and that I end up losing the lawsuit, I have to pay the person that basically ratted me out to the government $10,000. This is a thing that I basically have to prove that, hey, yo, I didn't help this person out. Because this person can say, hey, yo, Gerald helped him out uh, get an abortion. And now it's all up to me to say, hey, yo, I didn't do this. It's up to me to provide the facts and everything. Because if I don't, I now have to give the person that basically ratted me out $10,000. That is nuts. You are basically having people put bounties on somebody's heads to say, hey, yo, this person helped the person out. Now you have this person like come up with uh, uh, their... Okay, what's your timestamps? What did you do this day? Where did you go? You got to bring all this stuff out to the courts. And this is so stupid. Completely. That part is completely stupid. Everything else, hey, that's all upon women's. That's all women's uh, rights. That's all their decision. I want to know what women have to say about that. If you agree with it, hey, that's you. If you disagree with it, again, that's you. That's all a women's situation. I would like to know what the women think about this. And that's all I got to say for this topic. The next topics I want to talk about are basically officers that are now going to be indicted for the death of Elijah McClain. And if you don't know and you don't remember Elijah McClain, Elijah McClain was a 23-year-old black man put in a chokehold and injected with powerful uh, drugs in a fatal encounter that uh, that killed him. The uh, officers killed the man. He was just walking home from a store because he had to get something and then officers ran up on him because apparently they got tipped that a strange black man was walking around the area and they walked up to him and he's basically telling him, Ayo, I'm not trying to cause any violence. I'm just trying to go home. And they were just constantly messing with him. And the situation that I don't understand is if they're telling if a black person or somebody's telling you, I'm just trying to go home or something. And this, da 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 da, yo, let them go, bro. I understand you guys get tips all the time, but y'all are acting mad aggressive for no reason. Do you? Did the guy look like he was uh, aggressive towards you? No. Does he look like he even is a threat to you? No. If you look at Elijah McClain, he didn't look aggressive. He didn't look threatening. The man wasn't threatening at all. He was a straight up just a. He was a kid. He was a kid in 2019. Elijah McClay would have been 25 right now, the exact same age that I am. In 2019, I was 23. So he would be my age right now if he was still here. And that is a shame that officers mess with this man as he was just trying to walk home. You did, that, that was dumb. The three officers and two paramedics uh, were indicted uh, Wednesday by the state attorney general, Phil Weiser. The officers, Randy Rodoma. Nathan Woodyard and Jason Rosenblatt and fire department paramedics Jeremy Cooper and fire lieutenant Peter Chichinik were charged with manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. Rodeman and Rosenblatt 
also were charged with second degree assault with intent to cause bodily injury and one count of crime of violence related to the assault charge. Cooper and Chichinik also faces each face three counts of second degree assault. Lawyers for the defendants immediately, well, didn't immediately respond to calls and emails seeking comment. Uh, the indictment says police responding to a 911 call about a suspicious person confronted McLean on August 24, 2019, as he walked home from a grocery store after buying iced tea. The encounter quickly escalated with McLean initially losing consciousness after Woodyard applied a chokehold. Again, police officers applying chokeholds. What's up with y'all? You guys want to be in MMA so bad that y'all trying to just apply chokeholds to regular people? I don't, dickheads. Anyway. Uh, McLean complained he couldn't breathe as three officers held him down, handcuffed him on the ground, and he vomited several times. Paramedics ingested McLean with an amount of kinamine appropriate for someone 77 pounds, 35 kilometers heavier than his 143 pound, 64 kilogram frame. The indictment says without determining if it was necessary and without monitoring him for side effects afterward. McClannan never regained consciousness and was later declared brain dead at a hospital. Uh, in 2019, a district attorney said he could not charge the officers because in an autopsy could not determine how McClain died. died. Democratic Governor Jared Polis ordered Weiser to open a criminal investigation last year amongst nationwide protests over racial policing and the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI said they were looking at opening a civil rights investigation. Weiser's office is conducting a probe into the overall conduct of Aurora Police, the first under the new police accountability law. Again, this is so dumb. Why? This is, this, this will never bring this man, this, this will never bring this man back. Elijah McClain's life was lost two years ago over officers being complete dickheads. If you, yet again, I want you guys to just Google Elijah McClain, the guy, the kid. And it's crazy for me to say that because, uh, Gerald, he's your age. But if you look at him and you look at me, if you guys would get a comparison of myself to him, you would see that he it might be taller than me, but he is not as thick as me. That guy is thin. Elijah McClain was a thin, like, kid. He didn't look aggressive. He didn't look intimidating. He didn't look like he would be able to beat you up. He just looked like a regular guy who was just trying to just be about his day and be about his business. And I'm glad that we finally are doing something about it. And it's crazy to me. Again, this brings me back to uh, George Floyd's situation. If you have a crime, literally, on camera, especially when it regards to police officers killing a citizen, what is there to investigate? Unless there is a shootout and then you got to investigate that. But if you are watching a video and the public usually sees the video because there's no way that the public don't ever get to see the video anymore. You see that the guy was taken down by officers. He wasn't trying to restrain nothing. He's saying he can't breathe. He ends up vomiting several times. What what are we what are we witnessing here? What is there need to be? Why is there needing to be a trial for this? These officers and paramedics are obviously guilty of killing this innocent black kid, this innocent black man. What are we doing? Again, I have to ask, what are we doing as a society whenever we look at video and we are ultimately all agreeing, saying this people are guilty, they killed this person, and we are just saying, letting 
saying, oh, well, justice is going to take care of it. Hold on. Justice in the legal system is we're going to go to trial. We're going to do this and do that. But if you have video evidence, what are we even doing in here? What are we doing here? Legit. What are we doing here? The only time you really have to investigate something is if you see two people talking and then something happens to break out. What was said in the conversation? What was this and that? Blah, blah, blah. Get the backstory of that. That's cool and fine if you want to find out the backstory. But with this type of situation where you see and hear everything and you watching everything happen all in real time, what are we even doing having a trial? This should be, okay, they killed the man. This is murder, period. And people might say, well, Joe, by the law, there's definitions for everything different. There's homicide. There is murder. There's first degree murder, second degree murder, manslaughter. Dude. Let's just call it for what it is. These police officers were on their job and you killed somebody who was just trying to walk home. That's murder, period. I don't care what you try to tell me. If a random person were to do that to another random person, are we going to call that manslaughter? No, we're going to call that murder. Everybody will say this person murdered somebody in a regular common sense sentence, in a regular common sense conversation with somebody. You're not going to say, oh, he did manslaughter. No, you're going to say he murdered someone because that's exactly what happened. And I'm glad we're going to now finally get these officers and these paramedics just going directly to jail. And I don't care what nobody says. If this doesn't end with a jail sentence for them, with a long, lengthy jail sentence, we're going to have a problem. I'm standing on it again. We're going to have a problem. That's just me and my idea of it. And on to another officer who's going to be facing more serious charges. It is the Minnesota uh, officer for killing uh, Dwight, well, Dante Wright in a traffic stop. Uh, the former Brooklyn Center officer, Kim Porter, is now being charged with first degree manslaughter in addition to a prior charge of second degree manslaughter. Activists have demanded a murder charge during protests in Brooklyn Center and outside a metro area prosecutor's home before Attorney General, Minnesota Attorney General, uh, Keith Ellison took over the case. Porter, who is white, has claimed that she meant to use her taser instead of her handgun when she fatally shot Wright, a 20-year-old black motorist, on April the 11th. The amendment complaint alleges Porter committed first-degree manslaughter by recklessly handling, recklessly, yes, handling a firearm and endangering the safety of another when death or great bodily harm was reasonably foreseeable. The second-degree manslaughter count alleges she acted with culpable negligence and took an unreasonable risk when she consciously took a chance of causing death or great bodily harm with a firearm. First-degree manslaughter carries a maximum sentence of 15 years, while second-degree manslaughter carries a maximum penalty of 10 years, though state sentencing guidelines call for much lesser. Again, this is another one that you have video. There was a video for this, and you have multiple officers that came out, like literally came out like in the weeks of following after uh, the video being surfaced of officers saying, yo, we know the difference between our taser and a gun. A taser is lighter while a gun is heavier. A taser is on one side of the uh one on our one side while the gun's on the opposite side. We know the difference. In any type of business, you would know the difference. What I'm basically saying is this officers came out and they said, Yeah, we knew the difference. There's no way she didn't know that was a taser or a gun. 
she knew she was holding a gun. That is all I'm saying with this. And by the way, her uh, trial is set on November the 30th, so that tells you she will at least be spending Thanksgiving inside of a prison, or unless she's already out on bail, which I don't know if she's out on bail, but I personally don't care. This is another one that's really, really a thing for me. How would you not know? When officers, you would, I just want you guys to just breathe this in when I'm about to ask you and basically break down to you. When have officers ever come out to say, yeah, we knew, we know the difference. We know the difference. We have seen officers uh, keep their silence on people getting choked out to death. We have seen officers be silent when somebody's getting beat down. We have seen officers say nothing for a whole lot of injustices. We have seen officers really say, uh, just not even hit a peep. They've been silent when all these type of things happen, right? But whenever this came out and they said that officers don't know, that she didn't know that she was holding a gun instead of a taser, you had mad video footage of mad officers come out within that exact week saying and showing to the public, yo, this is the difference between a gun and a taser. We have it on one side and we have the other on the other side. We are trained that to, if you're going to use a taser, you go and put your hand on your hip for that side. If you're ready to go for a gun, you put your hand on the opposite side. You know the difference. And they also show the weight difference. A taser has a yellow thing on it while a gun doesn't. You they are basically giving everybody, and they're giving the prosecutor and the defendants some video to let the public know, hey, yo, you know the difference as an officer, what you're holding. You know if you're going to go for your gun, you go to the that side. If you're going to go to the taser, you go to that side. They're giving you everything. They're giving the prosecutors everything on a silver platter for a slam dunk of saying, yo, this woman meant to kill this man. So, I can't wait to see how this is going to play out in court. Me, personally, again, I'm interested in, in these type of things. I'm not a lawyer, but if I were to ever work for one, I'd probably be like the grunt guy to get all the paperwork for them, like all the evidence. But again, I'm so intrigued by all this because the law is a very, very funny and tricky thing. You got to have it written in a certain way so it, it can come out and turn out in your favor because in regular layman's term, and regular speaking uh, way, if you write it a certain way, if you write it regular, where regular people will understand, a lawyer will be able to throw out all these type of errors and all these type of thing. Your Honor, in area code, da-da-da-da-da, it says under here, and then, dude, what are we talking about here? We have common sense here. We have common words. We have common everything. The law is a big circus to make you question everything that you do know and everything that you've been taught in your lifetime. That's all the law is basically here for, at least lawyer jargon. So I can't wait to see Kim Porter's uh, trial, at least to be reading about the highlights of it and see what like what's been said or what type of People are going to be coming in to take the stand. That's the type of stuff I can't wait to see about it. Uh, again, her trial starts on November 30th, and I can't wait to get all the type of reports so I can report it back to you guys and give my personal and uh, my own opinions on it. Another thing that caught my eye this week is this coming from Insider, and it's the title reads, Ex-Prosecutor in the Ahmad Arbery case charged with misconduct and accused of shielding defendants in the killing. 
as it reads. A former Georgia prosecutor accused of shielding the man charged with killing Ahmaud Arbery is now facing charges of her own. Jackie Johnson was indicted on criminal misconduct charges Thursday for favoring the defendants in the case George and Travis McMichael, the Associated Press reported. The charges include a felony count of violating her oath of office and hindering a law enforcement officer, the AP reported. The indictment comes amidst allegations that she used her position to protect the McMichaels, who are accused of chasing and killing Arbery while he was jogging in his neighborhood on February 23, 2020. Johnson showed favor and affection to one of the men accused and interfered at the scene after the fatal shooting, telling police that one of the defendants shouldn't be arrested. The indictment alleged the charges are a result of an investigation requested by Georgia Attorney General Chris Chair that looked into her and other local prosecutors' handling of Arbery's death. Now, this is really interesting to me. If you guys have watched Law & Order, which I have watched almost every Law & Order, I'm not going to say Law & Order episode, but almost every genre of Law & Order. There's Law & Order, there's Law & Order SVU, uh, I believe uh, Criminal Intent, and I believe there's another one. There's a fourth one that's really escaping me. But anyway, I've watched almost every Law & Order, except like the new one where uh, Stabler comes back, that new one that just debuted like in the fall of no not in the fall early this year but anyway i haven't watched that one but if you watch law and order it's always usually the prosecutor and the police officers always have a relationship with each other meaning that the police officers have to get the evidence and get everything so the prosecutor can state their case and usually the prosecutor needs something and tell the police officer hey yo, did you guys ever find this or that and it's just a whole washing of hands with each other. So for the former prosecutor to now be accused of shielding one of the men that killed this uh, man, it's not too crazy to me when you think about it after you watch Law & Order so much as much as I have. This doesn't, this just shows you guys that law, well, justice is not really justice. It's a whole favoritism game. It's all about Winning and losing is all about uh, preferential treatment. If you know somebody that's on the force, hey, we're going to try to get you off. We're going to try to do this because I know you. I know you wouldn't have done this. you got to have a good reason. Da -da 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 -da. It's happened on Law & Order. It's happened on a whole lot of uh, cop shows. And let me just state this. Cop shows are not always fairy tales. A whole lot of cop shows are a whole lot of truth in them. And we just always take it for granted because we think, okay, it's television, it's fables and make-believe. No, 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 A whole lot of television shows and movies that you happen to see are of real-life situations. We just need to pay attention to them more. I believe in that wholeheartedly. As a person that has watched television a lot, watched movies a lot, I read a couple books here and there, but I get a whole lot of my information from television uh, internet movies, just watching and observing a lot of things and then see it like in real life situations. It never ever shocks me whenever I see something. If something shocks me, you have really outdone yourself. Let me just make that perfectly clear. If you shock me, you done outdone yourself because I am a guy that likes to think a lot. But let me get back to this. This doesn't shock me at all. That's, ah, that's what I'm trying to get here. This doesn't shock me at all. This just reminds me of Law and Order completely 
you know, she uh, tried to protect uh, one of her, one of the former officers that used to be on the force. And now she's now going down for trying to hide and shield the person. Dog, you can't be doing that. That's nasty. That's greasy. You got to take all your personal feelings aside. And plus, also, again, you have evidence of them trying to stop him. And you have the third member that was like recorded on the cell phone giving up is ratting it out. I say, Hey, yo, I was there. I recorded it. I saw it. And they're giving up their everything to tell you about what happened. They're ratting on the other two. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up more into the Ahmaud Arbery case. There were three men. There were the McMichaels and there was another guy who was the recorder. He recorded them doing this. So again, this brings it right back to the last two cases. You have all this on video. What are we doing with these trials? This should be a slam dunk just without anything. This should be a slam dunk. If this is not a slam dunk, I don't know what to tell you. If video evidence doesn't get the job done, what are we doing as a society? We play videos for everything. There's America Home, Funniest Videos. There's YouTube. There is ABC, CBS, Fox. NBC, every news outlet and everything that we watch and see has a video. And we all look with our eyes to see it. We've seen George Floyd die. We've seen uh, uh, my man that I just said, by God, uh, Elijah McClain died. We just saw, uh, what's my man that died that said that I, the original I Can't Breathe guy, the one that uh, was only selling like individual cigarettes. Uh, outside of a place in New York City. I can't remember his name, but we saw him die on camera. What are we doing with just giving officers and also now former officers the ability to say, yo, this didn't happen or yo, you don't got the whole full picture. What are we doing? You guys are officers. You guys are supposed to protect and that's your job, protect and serve. What are we truly doing here? Again, this makes me have to ask the question, what are we doing here? I would like more officers to say something, but boy, were they quick to say for Kim Porter. Yo, yo, no, 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 no. We are competent. I don't want y'all to really understand this. Chokos, we ain't saying nothing about, but guns? Oh, no, 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 no. We're competent on that. Break that down again. Chokos, we are going to say absolutely nothing on. As officers, there were not a lot of videos coming out by saying, yo, the chokos wasn't effective or they did too much. They should have let go of this and that. No. That didn't happen, but it was going viral and just with mad officers saying yet again, when it came down to the taser and the Kim Porter situation with the taser and the regular handgun, we know the difference. So again, I just want y'all to be aware of this. What is set precedence for police officers? We're going to come out with something about guns come out and by saying that an officer thought this was wrong, thought that they uh, were using the taser to a regular gun note. This person was having to be stupid. But a chokehold, nah, we ain't gonna say nothing about that. Not at all. And also, prosecution, the prosecutor are nasty, dirty people. They're all about getting the win. They don't care about the truth. They don't care about it at all. I want you all to, and I'm going to just say this again. Not even say this again. I'm just going to plug uh, a podcast that I listened to, and especially one episode that I did listen to, and I believe that every human being that is of earshot of my voice need to hear this. I don't care how you feel about this guy. You need to just listen to this episode. Joe Budden Podcast. 
It is the Grant Williams story. He has Joe Budden and his co-hosts have Grant Williams on there. He was a man that spent 25 years in jail for a crime that he did not commit. And he literally did not commit. He tells his whole story about it. He just got out of jail, I believe, this year, early this year. Or no, 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 last year. He tells his whole story on the podcast. So it's not, it was originally on Patreon, but now he, uh, has it free for everybody to listen to on uh, YouTube if you want to look at it visually, but Apple Podcasts and any of the podcasts, he has it there. But you guys should listen to that story in particular to see how the legal system really works against a person who was truly innocent of a crime that he did not commit. So again, the Joe Budden podcast in the episode is the Grant Williams story. Listen to that and you will really get an idea of what the true, and I mean true, legal system is so that will really captivate what i'm trying to say here we are in a situation where prosecution doesn't really care they just want to win under their hat and again joe bun podcast grant williams story listen to it it was a great episode and it was really informational and that's all i gotta say about that for these three topics here my next topic that i want to get to is the jfk assassination uh the guy who was a part of the JFK assassination, he's being set for parole. And this is coming from peoples.com, which reads, Saran Saran in disbelief over being granted parole 53 years after RFK assassination. I'm sorry, I think I said JFK, but RFK assassination says lawyer. And if you don't know the story, like I didn't know the story, is uh, Saran Saran, who was convicted of Robert F. Kennedy's 1968 murder is in disbelief after officials voted to grant him parole on Friday. More than 52 years after he was sentenced to death, which was commuted to a life sentence when capital punishment was outlawed in California, the 77-year-old 16th request for parole was approved by a two-person panel. He's happy. He's just trying to still process it, Saran's attorney, Angela Berry, tells People magazine. Although six of Kennedy's children decried the decision, Saran's case was bolstered by two of the late senator's sons, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Douglas Kennedy. Saran and Robert Jr. met in December 2017, ahead of the 50th anniversary of his father's assassination. They spoke for about three hours, and Robert Kennedy has been outspoken about his support for Saran over the years, Barry recalls. The two sat together, they held hands, I mean, they were face-to-face. Saran cried. Robert Jr. accepted his apology. At that point, Robert Jr. was convinced that there is way more to the story than what came out at trial and that there could be a second gunman, and he has been on Saran's side since. The support from Douglas, who was a toddler when his father died in 1968, turned out to be a welcome surprise for Saran as he and Barry were notified a week, a day before the hearing that Kennedy's youngest son will make an appearance. I'm overwhelmed just by being able to view Mr. Saran face-to-face, Douglas said in the viral uh, virtual hearing. According to the Associated Press, I think I've lived my life both in fear of him and his name in one way or another, and I'm grateful today to see him as a human being worthy of compassion and love. Although Barry says that Robert Jr. thought Douglas would also be in support of Saran's parole, she adds that his testimony was sort of a wild card, as he 
has not been part of this discourse at all. I think it was very heartening to Saran to hear that Douglas Kennedy did see his humanity and as somebody who was deserving redemption and released because of his retribution, Barry says, after Saran's parole was approved Friday, the California Parole Board staff has 120 days to review a transcript of the hearing and make a recommendation to Governor Gavin Newsom. Newsom is currently facing a recall election on September 14th. We'll have 30 days to uphold, reverse, or modify the decision. So apparently the guy Saran Saran is going to be out after spending 52 years in jail and well, 53, and this would be his 16th request for parole. Dude, I don't know what to tell you if I was Robert F. Kennedy's kids. I will look at Robert F. Jr. and Douglas as I would really want to have a conversation with them. I would probably yell at them first and ask them, what are you doing? This man killed our father, or he was one of the men that killed our father. What are you truly doing here? What are you doing? You're. It almost makes it seem like you're spitting on your father's memory. But then again, you got to look at it from them side after they ask you. You ask them, okay, why are you doing this? And they will give you the reasoning of why they're doing it. So, again, this is this is one that I wouldn't know how to feel. I know that I will be pissed off. I will be pissed off at my siblings if somebody killed my mother and they went to jail for all this time and now they're getting granted parole. Dude, I would be pissed. Also, off the back of one of my brothers, or even two of my brothers saying, hey, yo, we feel some compassion for this man. Dude, that is wild sauce. You can't do that. You... That's like betraying the family in my eyes. That truly is. I want to know what to say. I want to know what you guys, I want you guys to have a conversation with your family and just ask them, would you be okay with somebody in your family, like finding some compassion and forgiveness for somebody killing your family member after they've been in jail for some many years? Would you, would you be okay with them getting parole? Would you speak out for them? on their parole board hearing, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I personally, I would have a problem if one of my siblings did it. I am not going to lie. I would. I, that's just me. I'm family first. I've always been family oriented. And if one of my siblings happened to turn their back on the family in a real, real uh, detrimental way, especially one of this magnitude of a man coming out and just killing one of my people and then spending his almost his whole life in jail, and he still get a chance to come out of jail? Nah, dog. I, I I, can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I will look at my uh, sibling nuts. I will look at him a different light. And I would really, really have to have multiple conversations with this person every day to really question, why would you do this? Do you feel any differently? What made you feel differently about this? You gotta give me something, man, because this just isn't right. How do you agree with this person being out and being able to live their life while our father or whoever it is that's important to us is dead in the ground because of this person. That's a conversation that I would love, that I would have with my sibling. But again, I'm not in that situation. I just know how I will personally handle it because I'm family-oriented first, families first. Everything I do is for my family. I make conversations. I uh, make any type of Decisions based off my family. That's just what I do, and that's just me. But again, have that conversation amongst yourself. I just gave you that information about Saran Saran, 
coming out of jail or basically being granted parole after being in jail for 52 years for the RFK assassination. And I want you guys to have that conversation amongst your family. Would you guys be okay with somebody killing your family member, spending 50 or even 40 some odd years if you want to break down, break the time down just a little, even a little lesser? And ask them how would you feel if they got parole because one of your siblings says something on their behalf. Just have that conversation and just really just have that deep uh, thought conversation with your family members on that one. Another topic I want to talk to you guys about is one that I find personally funny to me personally. And it's from the Washington Post as a reason. An Instagram user who went by anti-vax mama so hundreds of fake COVID vaccine cards Prosecutor says earlier this month, a TikTok TikToker who goes by Tizzy Int Inc. spotted an Instagram post that caught her attention. A woman with the handle anti-vax mama was advertising coronavirus vaccine cards with real serial numbers available to be mailed to any state. The price $200 a piece. It made me think this was not real. Tizzy Inc., whose first name is Michael, said in it said in an interview with Washington Post. He asked that his last name not be used, citing safety concerns. Tizzy Inc., who has more than 2 million TikTok followers, later produced a video laying out what appeared to be a scam by anti-vax mama to sell the fake cards and have them registered in state databases. He also tried to notify law enforcement, but law enforcement knew about anti-vax mama well before Tizzy Inc.'s video posted. On Tuesday, the Manhattan District Attorney announced that the person behind the Instagram account, Jasmine Clifford, 31, of Lindenhurst, New Jersey, has been charged with selling hundreds of fake vaccination cards. Some alleged went to frontline workers, including hospital and nurse home employees. Let me just say that again. Nurses and home Home <laughs> nursing and home employees got vaccination cards. Well, fake vaccination cards because they don't want to get the vaccine. This is telling you how damning this vaccine is to people in their whole idea of what they think the government is really going to do because the government is already putting in like, yo, you can't go here unless you got your vax. You got You can't be in here unless you got your vaccination card. You got it. Ayo, dog. Hey, do whatever you got to do. Hey. Listen, if you feel that you need this, just get the vaccine. I know you might say, Gerald, but I don't want to get the vaccine. They shouldn't do this. They shouldn't be allowed. Ayo, this is their business. What more can you do? Unless you find another business that's cool with you not being vaccinated and just transfer your business over there. But if that's your favorite place of business, like if you like going to this restaurant and they say, Ayo, we need to see your vax card before you can even walk into this joint. Yo, dog. You got to make that decision amongst yourself. Do you really love this place enough that you want to get vaccinated and actually enjoy your time inside this place? Or can you do without this place like you did last year in 2020? Or do you have FOMO, fear of missing out? See, this is all a personal choice now. Getting vaccine is a personal choice. And people that own businesses is their personal choice to say, hey, yo, we want people to be in here be vaccinated and show their vax card or nah, they can just come in here. They can be vaxxed. They can be unvaxxed. Hey, that's your opinion. But getting a fake COVID vaccine card, that's not cool. 
it's not cool at all. It's not cool to sell it. It's not cool to purchase one. You're not, that's not cool at all because I don't like selling people a false dream, a false fairy tale. I hate it. That isn't fair to anybody that has gotten a vaccine and people that are not going to get the vaccine. You might say, well, Gerald, if you don't get the vaccine, you can buy the fake card. And that's, how's that fair for them? How's that unfair for them? Well, it's because you got people that's like me that wants to be honest and upfront with anybody that asks them, hey, yo, did you get the vaccine? And I'm telling them point blank, nah, I didn't get it. Now I'm cool with the idea of not getting it until more safety protocols are coming through play and coming to contact and more research and all these other things come into play for me to give myself the idea of safety and say, yo, I'll do it. But for somebody that is faking the funk and just throwing out this fake vaccine card, you're putting a bad dirt, you're putting a bad name on people like me. And you might say, well, Gerald, they might think that you're an anti-vaxxer. Then. No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Ayo, you get it, you don't get it. Ayo, I don't care, that's own personal preference. But if you're faking the funk and you're buying a fake card to say that you're uh, vaccinated, no, you're just putting a whole lot of more stigma onto people that are vaccinated to look down on people like me that don't want to get it right now or people that just might don't want to get it, period. You're putting a bad stigma on that where... People are going to say, well, you see this? All these fake, all these people that don't want to get vaxxed, they're going to buy these cars. Nah, dog. Nah. You got stupid idiots like these people that are, are going to do it because they are, have a fear of missing out. FOMA or FOMO or whatever you want to call it. They have that while you have people like me that don't care about any of this. That just, ayo, I'm not trying to put this into my body. I don't think that this is right necessarily because this hasn't been tested out so many times yet. You got people like me out here. But then again, I just find it hilarious because I can see exactly how this thing's going to be twisted and turned within the next couple weeks because a whole lot of more people are going to be coming out by saying, hey, yo, I have my vax card and then it's going to be popping out. Nah, that's a fake vaccine card that you got there, playboy. You don't got a real one. I can see this happening down the line and I can just see exactly the effects. So here's my plea to you all again. Hey, be get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. Hey, that's personal preference, personal choice. Do what you want, but do not be a dick to people that don't want to get the. But don't be a dick. Simple. Don't be a dick to if you get it, uh, the vaccine. To don't be a dick to people that don't want to get it, and if you don't want to get it, don't be a dick to people that do get the vaccination vaccine. That's all I gotta say for that. But still, mask up. That's all. That I do agree with, we still have to mask up in this pressing time. Now, before I get off this topic, the last topic I do want to talk to you is about uh, a weatherman from NBC's Today Show has died uh, yesterday at the age of 87, uh, Willard Scott. He was a beloved weatherman who charms viewers of NBC's Today Show with his self-deprecating humor and cheerful personality has died. And this is coming from ABC News. ABC, the competition, is reporting on this. Wow, okay. Willard Scott, the beloved weatherman who charmed viewers of NBC's Today Show with his self-deprecating humor and and cheerful personality has died. He was 87. His successor on the morning news show, Al Roker, announced that Scott died peacefully Saturday morning surrounded by family. An NBC Universal spokeswoman confirmed the news. No further detail were released. 
he was truly my second dad, and I'm here today because of his gracious spirit, Roku wrote on Instagram. Willard was a man of his times, the ultimate broadcaster. There will never be anyone quite like him. He played such an outsized role in my life and was and was as warm and loving and generous off-camera as he was on, Katie Kirk tweeted. Scott began his 65-year career on NBC at an entry-level page at an affiliate station in Washington, D.C., and rose to become the weather forecaster on the network's flagship morning show for more than three decades. His trademark was giving on-air birthday greetings to viewers who turned 100 years old by putting their faces on Smucker's jelly jars and delivering weather updates in zany costumes. According to NBC, he once took up a viewer's dare to appear in drag to win a $1,000 donation to the USO, the charity for military families, by dressing up as the Brazilian singer Carmen Miranda. The stunt wasn't new for the Janelle Scott. He played Bozo the Clown when he hosted a children's TV show in the 1960s and Ronald McDonald in commercials in the Washington area. He he often dressed up as Santa Claus at the National Tree Lighting Ceremony throughout the 1980s and co-anchored NBC's coverage of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade between 1987 and 1997 in one memorable moment on live television. First Lady Barbara Bush gave him a kiss during the 1989 inauguration parade of her husband, President George H.W. Bush. The president said, I didn't know you knew Willard Scott. I said, I didn't know Willard Scott. I just love that face, the first lady recalled. Scott handed the reins to Roker in 1996, occasionally filling in for him the next decade before fully retiring in 2015. He is survived by his wife, Paris Kenna, whom he married in 2014, and two daughters with Mary Dreyer Scott, his wife of 43 years until she died in 2002. That was a nice and gracious way for NBC to basically pay respect to Willard Scott. Uh, he was a, I never knew the man. I only know of Al Roker for my whole time of living. I know of Al Roker as the weatherman. And just to even read that, this can tell you how much uh, love that this man got for your competition to write up uh, something for you on their own website. That tells you how much love uh, you were to that whole profession. So rest in peace to Willard Scott, a weatherman that was truly beloved, especially if you got, uh, if you dressed up and just did all these nice things for these charities and you were able to just even give special shout outs to people who turn 100 by putting their faces on smeckers. Smuckers like jelly jars. I mean, that is that's different. I've never heard of that. I might do something like that later whenever my this ep like these uh episodes get like to bigger numbers and I get like a bigger massive audience. I still appreciate you guys that are listening to this. Let's not get it twisted. But whenever when my audience get like bigger, bigger, I might do something like of that magnitude, but not like Smuckers. I might like pull my own little twist or something like that and like ship it off to you. Uh, but that's whenever like my audience get bigger. But that's just an idea, and I'm just gonna. And if I, that ever happens, I'm always gonna say I took that from Willard Scott because just hearing something like that, that's really, really interesting and really quirky and zany. So I like that. But uh, again, rest in peace to Willard Scott, a uh, great uh, weatherman, a truly beloved uh, personality on uh, everybody's 
daily uh, television, because I don't care what you say, whether it be ABC, Good Morning America, CBS, uh, Morning Show, NBC, Today Show, you are watching certain, you are watching all these broadcasters do their job, and they're becoming a part of your family, and for this guy to have been such a loved man and beloved broadcaster, and he was just so loved by uh, the broadcasting world, that you, again, I have to constantly say this, you are being uh, honored on your competition's website. That tells you, you had a great career and a great uh, life, at least uh, career life. Uh, so again, rest in peace to Willard Scott. You will be missed. Um, before I get out of here, I just want to take you guys to church a little bit, at least in my eyes. Because I have been playing this song literally for a good solid tomorrow would be a week Monday. Yes, Monday will be a legit solid week. I have constantly played this song. So for almost a solid week, I have been bumping this song. And it just, it does something to me whenever I first hear it. But you guys are going to hear it. And I'm going to have to stop it a little bit. But you'll understand it once you hear it. But anyway, without further ado, here's the song right now. See this in 3D All lights out for me All lights out for me Lightning strikes the beach 80 degrees Warm it up for me Finally free Found the God of me And I want you to see Now, what you guys don't understand, that song was from Kanye West's Donda album, and that album is nothing but a whole uh, gospel slash rapidy type uh, album. And let me break this to you. Kanye was in his bag with Donda. I love Donda. At the first, when I first heard Donda, the first couple of tracks I didn't like, but after hearing them over and over again, it is always people might say, well, Joe, that's the earworm effect. Yeah, true. But there's certain songs that were skippable, but by God, a vast majority of this album is not skippable. You have to listen to it because the beats are good. The lyrics are great. I mean, just everything about it. Personally, I like the song that you just heard was Hurricane and it's by Kanye, the baby, well, not the baby, little baby, and the weekend. Uh, there's a song called "The Moon." Uh, there's one called "Jesus Lord." 
There's another one uh, called OK OK. I mean, there's so many songs on this album that is just phenomenal and immaculate that I just plead with you guys just to listen to the Donda album just once. And I promise you, you will not have a bad listening experience. But again, I love the Donda album and I was so happy when I first listened to it. And I've just been bumping that album constantly throughout this week. And it's, it's, it's deep, especially the Moon um, album, not album, but the Moon song. It's so, it's a deep thing because whenever you even hear him say it, don't leave too soon. How can I get through? And you know the album's talking about his mama, Donda. That hits me hard because, again, I keep on telling you almost every episode, my mother is my rock. I've talked to my mom every day. So if something were to happen to her, I wouldn't know what to do. And I can only put my, and I can't even put myself in Kanye West's shoes. He lost his mom because of a botched surgery. And he's been out here just in this big old just storm. And it's a, dirty storm what Kanye has been dealing with, whether we want to agree with it or not. Yes, Kanye has went through his moments, but he's been going through a lot of things. And I just want Kanye to understand that he is not alone in this. A whole lot of people have lost their parents. A whole lot of people are going through things. And his music gets people through it. And I believe that this Donda album will make people get a good representation or what Kanye is trying to do and who Kanye is now as a person in that Kanye is trying to get better. Let's not get it twisted. Kanye will go back. He admits that he is not a perfect person. He will slip back into being a narcissist and being that guy that everybody hates, but that's Kanye. So you got to uh, take it for what it is. And he's just an imperfect human being that's just trying to get it right one day at a time. But again, I please, please, please listen to the Donda album. You won't have a bad listening experience with it. And that's um, coming from G2, Gerald Garrett, a guy that doesn't listen to music like that. But I was so uh, ready to listen to this Donda album so bad. I was not. It was a great listening experience. Uh, but with that being said, I had, that is all the topics that I want to get to uh, this week. Uh, before I get you guys out of here, let me hit you with my social media links. Twitter, you can follow me at at my two podcast. Instagram, my two cents podcast. G two uh, for my Yahoo email for business inquiries or just emails in general that you want to just talk to me about anything. Because yesterday's episode, if you didn't listen to it, I talked about a professional wrestler named. Daphne, who uh, happened to transition this uh, Thursday, and she's no longer here with us. She was going through a depression uh, state. She felt like she was all alone, that she had nobody to talk to. I'm just basically rounded up by saying you can email me. My email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, my two cents pod at yahoo.com you can email me about anything you can email me just to want to talk you can email me about uh just wanting to just 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 uh put in the subject title a just be a sounding wall and just blurt out all your feelings just to say that you got these feelings off your chest 
what I'm here for is just to be a guy that people want to either listen to or just throw their opinions or just throw their feelings out to. That's what I'm trying to do here. I want you just to be able to express yourself in a creative way or get your feelings off so you won't think that nobody's here. Nobody's listening to you. You have a person to listen to. That is something that I want everybody to understand. You guys are not alone. You have a reason to continue living on this planet. We are still here for a reason. You need to find your purpose. And I'm not saying everybody, people will say, well, Joe, not everybody has a purpose. No, everybody has a purpose. You have to look, to look forward to something every day. Hey, you probably saw a Blue Jay this day. See if, see if you can see a uh, Red Robin the next day. Be bird watching. Be people watching. Uh, be social media watching. People might say, oh my God, that's stalker. No, you can just be looking at people's photos and just looking at them and just seeing other things. Or you can go out in life and enjoy life and just, you. there's so many things on this world that not one person has experienced everything on this planet. So there's always something that you can look forward to the next day. You don't ever have to feel that you are alone and you just feel like you want to just transition down. No, 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 no. Let life take its natural progression and you will transition the natural way whether it be from an old age or something else but do not try to take your own uh life in your own hands and then try to transition off of that so what i'm saying is don't think you are alone in this there are a lot of people still out here in this world and i love you and if you don't hear from anybody else just know G2, Gerald Garrett, loves you. There's no reason for you to try to transition over. And again, my email is my2centspod at yahoo.com. Just shoot me an email if you want to talk about something or if you just want me to be a listening wall for you. Okay? Um, Where you can listen, you can listen to all my past episodes and current future episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and now Apple Music, not Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music, and Audible. Yes, Amazon Music and Audible. I am now on those two more platforms as well. So I'm slowly getting up there, and I'm glad for it. Um, there's a thing on Apple where you can do a review by giving stars, and you can also write down uh, reviews. It'll be great if you guys can do that to let me know how I'm doing, whether I need to level up in my mic skills or tell me something why I need to uh, refrain. What do you like? What you like? What you don't like? Just give me an honest feedback. This podcast is for you guys. It's for me to basically tell you guys what I found out and what I not even say reported on, but just basically give my opinions on things. And it's basically just for you guys just to kill some time as you're either working out or driving to one destination to another or just basically just kill time. This podcast is just basically that. And this podcast is all just basically meant for that. It is basically meant for a guy that's uh internal guy who doesn't like to talk much out in public. Just to be able to speak his voice into a microphone and just talk to you guys about anything and everything that I find interesting. That's all this podcast is for. But again, uh, it'll be great if you guys can give me a, a review and leave me some type of stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. And with that... Uh, wear your mask. You are not alone in this. I love you all. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. 
Don't think you have the transition over right now. Don't think that nobody is listening to you. You just got to be able to want to talk. Not even say want, but you just talk to somebody. If you feel like you can't talk to anybody, just email me and I guarantee you that I will email you back. It doesn't matter how busy I am. I will always check my email every single day. Uh, I love you all. I want you guys to have a great rest of your Sunday and also have a great Labor Day tomorrow i want you guys to just be safe out there and for the people that were affected by hurricane ida this week i want you guys to please um please find shelter somewhere because i know in louisiana wasn't it was uh devastating and i know certain people's houses got collapsed and everything i'm praying for you guys i'm hope keeping you guys in my prayers and i just want you guys to please know that i g2 the by two cents podcast brand we love you guys and Uh, We just want you guys to please uh, be safe as this thing that we are all living in life is constantly throwing us uh, things that we got to catch and we're just trying to deal with it. But again, I love you all. This is a goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. This has been my two cents podcast presented by G2. I love you all. I love you all. We're all going to get through this. And I will see you guys next time. Bye bye now. I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.